0: It's a major conflagration in the Middle East, and uh, and we have no Speaker of the House, we have no uh, leadership, you know, a major cog of uh, congressional leadership uh, unable to do what it, it needs to do to help this country take the position it needs to take.
1: Welcome in, kids. You know what? I got bad news. Mm-mm. We, this is no longer the Alabama Politics This Week podcast. Oh, no. But, I, but I've got good news. Okay. Good news. Okay. Because it is the Alabama Politics This Week podcast brought to you by uh-huh. Winton Creek Entertainment. That's right. We got a brand new title sponsor for this bad boy. And, uh, it is, uh, our friends, uh, with the, uh, with the Porch Creek Indians and, uh, and Wind Creek Entertainment. We are nice. happy to have them on board. Uh, yeah. we will, we will talk about them, uh, a little bit here in the, in the coming segments and stuff. And, and, and we'll talk about the relationship that we have, uh, mm-hmm. with them. And, and it's, uh, it, hopefully it's one that will continue for a while. Uh, we, yeah. we, as you know, I'm, like the Porch Creek Indians a lot. I think what they do is uh, uh, is good for the state of Alabama. I think mm-hmm. they have been horribly mistreated at times by the state of Alabama. At times, I mean, for how, for most of their existence, uh, for yeah, <laughs> the certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as with all Native Americans, yeah. uh, and uh, and it's you know, I, I've said many times before that it is it gives me great joy at times to know that. Our stupidity and racism has aided the Porch Creek Indians in gaining great wealth and power in the state. Amen Um, to
0: that, brother. Amen yeah. to that. Um, because well, it is yeah.
1: ridiculous. I mean, it, it, that's honestly yeah. awesome. that's, that's the reason yeah. why, we've, why they've done that, why they have resisted uh, some gambling stuff for a long time. I think a lot of it has been rooted in racism and stuff mm-hmm. and, and not making deals um, and, and being so slow to act on compacts and proposals and things uh, because it would have aided them. And mm-hmm. I think that is a, a big factor in this.
0: Yeah, we, uh, it goes without saying that our nation's history, our state's history, as it relates to uh, the first people or the indigenous people, whatever term you, know, you want to use, is horrible. It's horrific. And that, to me, you know, as an African-American, of course, I, I reflect a lot on slavery and Jim Crow. But what happened to the indigenous people, the first people, preceded all of that. So like you, I love to see opportunities for, um, the indigenous people of our, of our state to prosper and to, uh, hopefully, you know, you can only hope, I mean, money, money, you know, money, I don't think money and wealth and all of that will ever really truly make up for what's happened to either the indigenous people or... The descendants of African people, but uh, certainly can help. And yeah. so I'm glad, I'm glad to see them prosper as well. And as we've talked about, I think on this very podcast, the interesting thing about it is not only are, are uh, the Porch Creek Indians um, doing very well as a tribe in this state, they are doing things that are benefiting the state. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the level of investment that is has been happening here in Huntsville alone from uh, the Porch Creek tribe. It's just, uh, it's in the, I don't know, it's at least in the tens of millions, if not more than that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I say kudos to them and and welcome to the podcast. Glad to have them on and, and uh, glad to have their support.
1: Yeah. You know, to what you just said, uh, they are, Wind Creek is uh, one of the top 10 employers in the state of Alabama. Um, and that was not, not just them saying so that was Forbes magazine, Mm -hmm. uh, ranked them in the top 10 and they were the number one employer, uh, in the hospitality industry in the state, 2,500, 2,500 full-time staff and over 6,000 full-time staff worldwide. Wow, 2,500 in the state, 6,000 worldwide. Uh, it's, um. They've got great facilities. If you've ever been to one, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, they were well ahead of their time in, in creating some of these facilities that, that rival a lot of the, you know, casinos and things that you would find in, um, and in, in states like Vegas and, and, and stuff like that, you know, I mean, you, you go and it's a it, and I understand it's an electronic bingo uh, casino in this state because that's all that's legal uh, for them to to operate. But still, it's uh, you know, you've got the restaurants, you've got the spas. Uh, you know, if you've ever been to, to some of those, you know, you know how good it is. And so listen, we are it's a, it is a first class organization uh, from top to bottom. And, you know, and class recognized class okay that's all there is to it and so that's why they're here with us and you know it's uh it's just a match a perfect match is all it is okay yeah. all right let's um. uh let's let's move forward we'll we'll talk about the, them and the relationship that we'll have going forward uh, some more but uh, it's uh it we're really happy to have them on board Yeah. and, and we are got uh listen we got we, I think we have another sponsor coming on pretty soon as well nice. uh, another big name sponsor that uh, a lot of folks will recognize and nice. uh, you know you know, maybe, maybe, maybe a couple others in the future. All still. right. All uh, right. So, uh, all righty. Um, so from good news to awful. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you and I have both written in the past couple of weeks, uh, about, uh, the, let's be honest, is killing, if not murder, mm-hmm. um, of Stephen Perkins in Decatur, uh, by Decatur police. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are unaware of this, there are still protests continuing today. This happened not this past Thursday, but Thursday two weeks ago. Yeah, I think night?
0: it was the 29th, right? Wasn't it the yeah, 29th?
1: So So it was, it was like three, we're going on three weeks now mm-hmm. since this happened. There remain protests happening every single day indicator. They had a protest last I believe it was last Friday.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: or last Thursday? Um, in which there were thousands of people that gathered. I don't know if you've seen photos from that, but there so, were yeah. thousands yeah. of people there uh, at this at this vigil uh, for Stephen Perkins. And so, let me just explain. Uh, I've I've run through all the videos. I've had. I've, I've, I'm from Decatur. Um, I know a bunch of people in Decatur still, my parents still live in Decatur and most of my family still lives there. Uh, I have a bunch of friends who knew Steve Perkins, Mm. um, and, um, and that, because they, they worked out together. That's basically what Steven did was they went to work, they went to work out, he went home to be with his family. Mm. Uh, everybody I know loved him. Uh, you know, they thought he was a great guy. That he was funny and jovial and was not confrontational in the least, um, and it, they were shocked when this happened. Mm. Um, not, you know, not because uh, you know it was uh, that that he was involved in something. Well, that anybody would even have a thought to harm Stephen Perkins. That's what they would all say. Is I, I can't even believe that anybody would would hurt Steve. You mm. know, so. Here's what happened. Um, that that night, there's a th- late, uh, early morning Friday, like 1.30 in the morning Friday. Uh, a tow truck driver had come to Stephen's house earlier to repossess his truck. Now Perkins and his family has said that that was uh, uh, improper. That they that they had the wrong information. Yeah. That he was up to date and, on his payments and the truck shouldn't have been repossessed. Um, I can find nowhere in his file where anybody had sued him for, or anything like that for late payments or repossession of the truck or run through the court system to try to get repossession of the truck or to garner his wages to pay for it. So um that the tow truck driver Regardless of what, ha- what happened, the tow truck driver left after Perkins came out and allegedly threatened him. Mm-hmm. He, the tow truck driver told, a, according to Decatur police mm-hmm. now, so you can take this with a grain of salt because I'm going to tell you how they lied their asses off in just a second. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and they very much lied mm-hmm. their asses off in this. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, they, um, he, Perkins allegedly came out, threatened him with a gun. The tow truck driver left. At that point, he contacted police. Now, there is some question. As to whether or not he called through dispatch or he called a friend of his on the force, mm. um, because there is some question as to whether or not the tow truck driver was a former police officer in another city close to Decatur. And so uh, at that point, uh, he went, the tow truck driver went back to the house. Mm. And here is the police version of this. And let me see if I can as I tell this, I'll try to pull up the exact quote that they provided uh, to uh, to uh, media outlets uh, at that time when they uh, when they were trying to explain away what had happened uh, with Perkins and what went on. They went. Back to Perkins' house. The truck guard right. went back to Perkins' house. As he was hooking up Stephen Perkins' truck, Perkins came out of the house. And you can hear him say on videos, uh, hey, man, put my truck down. Like that. Uh, he is holding in his hand. not It's a light. Now, Aaliyah, uh, Alabama Law Enforcement Agency, has come out and said that it, it was a flashlight attached to a gun.
0: But all um, you can see in that granny video is a yeah. light.
1: All you can see in, in the yeah. video is a light. And yeah. so and I, it looks in some of the videos that I've seen, it kind of looks as if he's holding it up high. It's hard to tell. And, you know, which would lead you to believe that it is just a flashlight. But listen, you know, it, that's that I, it, I find it hard to believe that Aaliyah is going to say that it was a gun, that there was a gun there uh, unless they're going to plant one. Uh, that there was a gun there with a flashlight attached to it. If they're not going to be able to provide pictures of that, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as he comes out and says that, from to uh, as he's he's approaching the driveway, he comes out of his his front door. He turns right towards his driveway, crossing his front yard from his right up against his house. You hear a voice shout, "Hey, hey police! Police! Put the gun!" Yeah. That is essentially the secret. That's how, and that's how fast it went. Yeah,
0: and that's what I was going to say, Josh. I mean, I I think it was less than, by my count, when I heard the word police, and then started hearing the shots fired. I don't think it was two seconds. I'm not even Mm -hmm. sure it was one second, really. No, I was being generous in my column when I said two seconds because uh, I tried to count it out, and and you know, and I'm not. I don't know if I was very precise or not. But, uh, but, you know, my point is, how in the world do you justify shooting a man, even though he may, may have had, may have had a gun mm-hmm. in his hand? How do you justify shooting a man in less than two seconds?
1: Mm, yeah. And well, he
0: hasn't fired a shot
1: at you. He, he hasn't fired how. a shot at you. Here's how. Here's how they justified it. This is the, this is the statement that the Decatur Police sent to media immediately following the shooting. Uh, I believe this came out on Friday. Uh, Officers returned to the scene. This was from a story uh, that ran on, I believe this was on CNN, but a very similar uh, portion of this also ran in newspapers and stuff around the state. Uh, Officers returned to the scene with the tow truck driver, at which point Perkins, quote, exited the residence armed with a handgun and began to threaten the tow truck driver. And you've already heard what I said. Yeah, yeah. He said, hey, man, put my truck down. Those were the only words spoken by Stephen Perkins. Quote Officers on scene ordered the homeowner to drop his weapon, which he refused to do. It was at this time the homeowner turned the gun towards one of the officers on scene. The officer discharged his duty weapon, striking the subject. Yeah. I would encourage you to go through video. the videos. Yeah, just go the there, there are multiple videos out there of this. There are multiple videos from a, var- a variety of different angles from homes across the street, down the street, uh, right next door uh, that capture a lot of this. And just go and watch. Go and watch the sequence of events that occur. And tell me how much bullshit that right, right. there is. No, okay, you're exactly It right. is utter bullshit. You're there exactly is, right. That is almost none of that is true. Yeah, uh, it's just almost completely none fabricated. it is true. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, they were not. I'm not even. I don't even. I don't even think. If I have to go back and re- listen to it again, I don't even think they identify themselves as police. I think now, they I heard just police. say, "Hey, put their put the gun down." Uh, I
0: heard. Um, I heard police. I heard police. I listened. I watched. listened yeah, okay. twice, and I heard the word police. But I mean, but almost like immediately after I heard police, I heard shots being fired. Yeah. There so, was no put your gun down. There was none of that. Nothing like that.
1: But let's uh, Let's, let's also set the entire scene here, okay? Mm-hmm. But as we have seen from the variety of videos that have been uh, put out there by these, uh, these neighbors of Stephen Perkins, um, you can, when the tow truck driver arrives, pr- prior to the tow truck, probably a good two or three minutes before the tow truck driver arrives, you see a Decatur uh, police cruiser drive by his house. All right. The lights on the cruiser are off as this as it comes into the front of his driveway. You see a couple of lights flash Hmm. and those lights come from the corner of Stephen Perkins house, the back corner away from his front door that he can't where he can't see who's standing there. And there are two officers standing there hiding behind the corner of his house. Hmm. There's also another flashlight that comes from the neighbor's driveway directly across from Perkins driveway. Where this officer, and you can later see him, you can see him in another video uh that's that's been provided by the neighbor, uh, he is hiding behind a parked vehicle in that driveway. Then that off the, the cruiser comes by and doesn't stop, doesn't turn the lights on, doesn't sit in front of the house, they don't go to the door and knock, they it cruises by and comes to a stop about eight houses down and then that officer gets out and begins walking back towards the scene uh, or what will be the scene. At that point, the tow truck comes up, circles mm-hmm. up, come backs into the driveway. When he starts to hook the truck up and makes some noise, that's when Perkins comes out of his house and crosses his yard and says, Hey man, put my truck down. At that point, one of the two officers that is behind the house pops out and says, hey, please, 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 please. like that. Yeah. That's essentially how fast it went. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't even say essentially. That is almost exactly how it went. You know, you can quibble with the words that I use. I mean, maybe uh, i said, police. Hey, police. Please, 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 please. And, that, and then and you, they don't get out the next word before the 18 shots are yeah. fired. Yeah. Seven of them hit Stephen Parkins. Uh, several more hit the houses around the the neighborhood. Uh, neighborhood. One neighbor had to dig out, I think, seven bullets from his house,
2: hmm. and over over a t- over a repossession.
0: Uh-huh.
2: All right. First so, of so, all, oh, go
1: ahead, go
0: ahead. No, well, I was just going to say, f- first and foremost, thank God. Even though what happened to Stephen per- Perkins was a horrible, horrible. Egregious miscarriage of justice and a tragedy. Thank God there weren't more people that were killed. Yes. Thank yeah. God for that. Yeah. Now you know, in my column, I, I I referenced a case that happened up in Massachusetts mm-hmm. where a guy not only was pointing a gun at police, he was shooting at the police, running from the police, and. And the officers did not fire back. In fact, their restraint was so notable and laudable, I would argue, Mm -hmm. that the mayor of that city, Springfield, Massachusetts, the mayor and the police commissioner commended them for their restraint. What in the hell is going on down here in Decatur and Huntsville? You know, where these cops think that they can just come up into places and within seconds start killing people. Uh, uh, My it's, God! It's, a, it's an
1: outrage. It is. It is very much an outrage. Um, and and he, here's, here's where people should, should be really, really outraged about it, okay? Is, yeah. Number one, number one, they're not supposed to be involved in civil matter. And that's what uh, a is this has been long established, long mm-hmm. established. Police do not involve themselves. If a tow truck driver calls and says, I'm trying to repossess a car and this guy won't let me in. They say, man, sorry, we can't do anything about it. It's a civil matter until he threatens you or does something about it. There's nothing we can do. If he calls and says, I've been threatened with a gun at this residence, the police then are on a call. For a threatening person with a gun, a gun, you know, a gun presence and and a threat to made to a person that requires a whole different protocol
3: Hmm.
1: in and that protocol is supposed to be going to the door and making contact with the alleged person that made the
2: threat. Okay, Mm -hmm. not hiding. I don't know what the hell was going on there. All
1: right. And I said, I've said on social media and some other places, I don't know what police ambushing somebody looks like, but I have a hell of a hard time believing it doesn't look a lot like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's exactly what it looked like. It looked like they were set up to ambush that guy when he come out of his house. Um,
0: Let me ask ask you a question. Maybe you, you you may know the answer to this and uh, uh, hopefully I didn't imagine this. Is there some connection between the tow truck driver and law enforcement?
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. I believe, uh, the well, there have been rumors uh, here, and I would say pretty good rumors, uh, that uh, he is a former law enforcement officer in a neighboring city, uh, Priceville. Um, and that, that's what I was saying earlier, too, is I'm really interested to learn, as soon as anybody in, in, in the city can answer a damn question about this, um, mm-hmm. as to whether or not he actually called through dispatch. Because Mm. I've heard that he did not call through dispatch, uh, that Mm -hmm. he made a call uh, that went to a friend of his on the force. And that was what led to the arrangement of police officers around Perkins House. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I'll tell you there there are two things really, really that, that bother me. And, and one is unique to this situation. And the other one is, is something that happens in a lot of these deals. One, the first thing is what I just mentioned about the way they, there's no doubt they broke protocol to go and surround this man's house and not go to the door and knock and not, not make contact with him and to find out what was going on. You know, you If they want to say that they look, they were just there, you know, because they were, they wanted to help out a friend or whatever, and they just wanted to make sure things didn't get out of control or what, you know, and otherwise they were just going to all leave quietly and nobody was going to do anything. And that's what they broke protocol for. uh, Okay. That's still breaking protocol. Okay. And there's a reason Mm. why you have protocols for this shit right here that just went down. Uh, And then, second, the second thing that bothers me is the behavior of the cops over the last several days. Um, arresting people for bullshit trumped up charges of yeah. disturbing the peace yeah. uh, for cussing uh, yeah. for stepping off the sidewalk into the street that's yeah. not the law okay you can't be arrested for cussing you cannot be arrested for stepping off into the street you can be arrested for cussing if your cussing is leading to acts of violence or encouraging a riot or something along those lines that is that is actually disturbing the peace but simply saying a cuss word out loud is not also stepping into the street off the sidewalk is not uh, is not impeding traffic. You have to impede traffic for you uh, for to for you to be arrested for that. Okay, you can't. Yeah, they don't want you to walk down the streets and block the flow of traffic. But the one girl was arrested for stepping into the street while it was like yeah. nine o'clock at night in downtown Decatur. There's nobody there. There's nobody yeah. in downtown Decatur. I mean, at that point. So, and that and that behavior though is indicative of of the way that a lot of police. Uh, departments in this country act to protect each other, even when they know, even when they know that that, that person, the person that they're was protecting wrong. was yeah. wrong. Yeah. And it's such bullshit, man. Tell people that dude was wrong.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're exactly right. Um, hmm. Well, uh, I think the, it's a tactic, obviously, because they know uh they know those things aren't likely to hold up in court um you know so it's a tactic mm-hmm. it's harassment and they're aiming to discourage people but what they don't understand is and i and, I, and what, well let me just say let me frame it this way what i don't understand is why they haven't learned from the past why mm-hmm. they don't understand that you know when people are outraged over injustice you can't stop them by arresting them on petty charges. Nope. You you can't, you know, dogs and fire hoses didn't stop people. No, nope. Beatings on the Edmund Pettus Bridge didn't stop people. Why do you think some petty, trumped up foolishness of cursing or stepping mm-hmm. out into the street to pick up a bullhorn, why do you think that's going to stop people? It's not. Yeah.
1: No, it's not. It's, it's not. it's just going to it actually. It's going to encourage people. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's yeah. going to make them angrier, and it's going to make them believe that you are hiding something, that you are trying to keep uh, the truth from the public, and and it just you know, it's it's disappointing to me because I'll be honest with you, I know uh, some of the officers. I know I know some of the officers who've made some of those arrests. Um, mm. I've played basketball with a lot of them. Uh, you know, uh, there was one guy <laughs> was on camera that uh, was was talking to people and you know, I honestly, I, I've, I've sat and had conversations with this guy while we were playing basketball. Uh, and, and it just is, it, it's, it's disheartening to watch somebody, you know, uh, just, I, I don't even, I don't even know how to, how to describe it. it, it and it's, I, so I, so I, I want I say that because I want to I don't have a bad view of police here. Okay. I don't, I've, I've said this on here many times before. Uh, you know, I know, that the majority of police officers are good and decent people that take the job because they, they do want to protect the communities that they live in and work in and, and they raise their families in. And they do have an incredibly hard job all the time. Um, and so I get all that, but man, you're not making it easier on yourselves by doing this and by protecting people that you know were wrong. And these dudes right. were flat wrong. Um, right. and you know, I think, you know, I, I watched some of the city council meeting the other night. Um, and, and there were some people that, that stood up and the councilmen that stood up and and said some really hard things. Uh, and, um, and one of the councilmen called for the chief to resign. Billy and, Jackson,
0: my man, yeah. Billy mm-hmm. Jackson. I've known, yes. known, known and interacted with Billy on and off for probably 30 years and Billy's on the right side of this man.
1: Yes. Billy
0: said said the mayor needs to go. And he said the chief of police needs to go. And he's right.
2: Yeah. He's right.
1: You know, it's, it's, uh, I'll say this. I I think, I think tab bowling as the mayor indicator has handled it um, fairly, fairly well. Uh, He, he has showed a lot of compassion. Uh, He, he has went and and, and met with Stephen's family. Uh, He and his wife attended the vigils. Uh, they spoke at the vigils. Uh, he is he's you know, he's made some statements uh, about this that that have been, I think, on the right track. Uh, the chief, in the meantime, read a prepared statement that was bullshit. Uh, I mean, and and I, well, you know, from well, and I'll say this. And he was he and by his own admission, he said he was Stephen Perkins friend. He worked out with him. You
0: know, well, I, well I'm going to say this. You know, I don't know the Mayor Decatur. So for me, this is not personal. Mm-hmm. I don't know the chief of police there. It's not personal. But I do know this. If something this egregious happens, and, and I appreciate, you know, and I, and I, and, and, you know, let me, let me say, you know, give it where credit is due. The mayor's acts of compassion toward the family need to be noted and they need mm-hmm. to be acknowledged and appreciated for what they are. But in my mind, if the mayor is not immediately decisive on and explicitly clear about the dangers that that kind of policing uh, can create for a community. And, and while I know you got to be fair, let the justice system play out. But I think, I think he's got to be at the very least to me, if he is not, Unequivocally on record, that that kind of policing is not going to be tolerated. That culture of policing is not going to be tolerated because it kills people. Mm-hmm. Then, as far as I'm concerned, that mayor's got to go. I don't care how compassionate he is. I don't yeah. care how much time he spent with the family. Do- Doggone it, somebody died. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody
1: was killed. Yeah, I think that's no. very fair. Sorry. I mean, I think, uh, no, I think that's a very fair position to take. And, not, you know, I, um, you know, I, I I think you know, and and I'm off. I, I think the chief has has got to go because this this is the second you know. Time that uh, I, I believe that some some bad things have gone on around there, and the other one didn't get a whole lot of publicity. But uh, you know, and it, and it just you know, and then they had the other the third one uh, way, way back with Kevin Penn, uh, the, the the liquor oh, store yeah, owner. I about
0: uh, that, yeah. the, they went yeah. into his
1: store and punched him. You know, mm-hmm. I thought I thought he was the guy uh, that was breaking mm-hmm. into his own store. I guess, uh, but I forgot um, about that. Yeah. you know, there, you, you know, uh, but I'll say that that happened under a different police chief. That happened under Nate Allen. Uh, who, who was a black man uh, at that point, and, and, mm-hmm. or and at that point. It, but see,
0: that's the thing. thing. That's why I talk but, about the culture of policing, Josh. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't matter if the police chief is black or white. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if the cop is black or white. There's a culture of policing mm-hmm. that, that presumes certain things about black men in particular. You're
1: right. You're right. You're right. That's a, black. Somebody said to generally. me, when I was telling them about this story the other day, somebody said to me, is he a black guy? And I said, come on, man. You kidding me? Yeah. You think they would have done that to a white dude? You think exactly. they wouldn't have gone up to the white guy's house and knocked on the damn door and said, "Hey, yeah. man, uh, the guy's here to repossess your truck. You ain't gonna threaten him, are you?" Right. Uh, exactly. Sorry to sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you, Mister Smith. Everything okay? Yeah. Uh, y'all y'all doing all right? Sorry to wake y'all up. Uh, yeah. but we, we, I mean, we brought you
0: some cupcakes too. Yeah. While, while yeah. he's uh, while he's hooking up the truck, Oh, and have a oh, cupcake.
1: You say he he shouldn't be repossessing? Man, arrest that tow truck driver right now! Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's uh. I mean, it. You're right about the culture, and uh, I'll tell you what. The other thing that's really, really bothered me in this is the amount of time we're waiting on a to finish its investigation. This isn't exactly a damn whodunit here. Right. Okay, right. We're, we're three weeks into this. By tell people what the hell went on. If I guarantee you, if uh, uh, the body cams had cleared those cops of any wrongdoing, we would have known about that shit two days later. All yep. right. But yep. as as we stand here now, three weeks later, oh, we're still looking at the evidence and trying to determine what all it says. Look, uh, it, that's nonsense. It's no yeah. absolute utter nonsense. You know what happened. We've all seen it on video at this point. We, we know that Stephen Perkins got killed. We know who shot him. OK, yeah. Uh, yeah. I can start saying names, but we know who shot him. And mm-hmm. so this idea that uh, that this is something that needs to be worked out and we, we still need to follow through with this investigation, it's bullshit. Hmm. Either put the investigation up, and this was something the mayor could do. Is say, look, I've seen a lot of these videos here, um, and I'm I'm ready to move because I can't have a department that acts like this. Uh, so if they're in the wrong, and I believe they're in the wrong, so you need to tell me one way or the other, or I'm gonna start having press conferences and showing the videos I got.
0: But yeah, and that and that would be, I mean, for me, that would be a lot more in line with what the appropriate response should be. You don't yeah. want to. You you know, you you want to leave some room for the justice system to do its work. But at the same time, as you pointed out, if the body cams were, um, you know, if they were, if they were supporting the police version, mm-hmm. they would have been out.
1: Oh, yeah. They would have been out. Yeah. You see how fast yeah. those, those uh, body cams came out in the the Birmingham uh, band directors uh, case. And they had, they had yeah. those things out by Monday. The uh, yeah. incident happened on Friday and they were out by Monday. And it, yeah. it's just, you know, it, it just, it bugs me. Uh, I mean, really, honestly, it really bothers me what, what what's going on over there um, mm. and, and the attitudes uh, that people have of, you know, of protecting the police at all costs. Man, this, you know, by all accounts, I, and listen, I've gone through his record. I've gone through, I've talked to people. By all accounts, Stephen Perkins was a good and decent man mm. that was doing nothing, even if he was behind on his truck payments. All right. Mm -hmm. Even if he or there was an argument between him and the bank or the finance company or whatever about this. All right. He is still a good, decent dude and a a husband and a father. And, you know, he didn't deserve that. He did not deserve what happened to him. And let me remind you, we live in an open carry state. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there's that. Thank you. There's that. Coming out in your front yard. Coming yeah. out in your front yard carrying a gun at 1.30 in the morning when somebody's hooking up your truck that you don't believe should be uh, repossessed, yeah. there ain't a thing in the world wrong with that. Well, Nothing wrong
0: with I, that. I, I would say the law allows it. That's what I yeah. would say. I would say I, the I would law say has
1: encouraged it.
0: it, it the, you're exactly right. The law has enabled it and encouraged it. I wouldn't necessarily say it's good judgment, but I would say that the law allows it. The law encourages it. And it, the law empowered Stephen Perkins to do what he did. Yes, so absolutely did. You know, and, I, and there's no turning own, towards my, somebody hiding in your yard, It's and threatening. Right. Them. Now my own mindset is, if somebody was trying to repossess my vehicle in the middle of the night, I'm thinking I'm probably not going to go out there carrying a weapon. That's my mindset. But but Stephen Perkins was well within the law to do that, if in fact that's what he did, and yeah. we still are not certain. That's just one side of the story. We're we're not certain that that's what he did, but if that's what he did, he was well within his legal rights to do so.
1: Yeah, it's it's just it's terrible what happened there, and I I I really hope that the pressure, the the continued pressure, will will lead to some uh, at least acceptable results. I mean, nothing at this point is going to be acceptable to the Perkins family, uh, and I understand that completely. But all right, let's uh let's slide out uh, of here. Um, we're we got uh, two really good uh, guest yeah, uh, that, yeah. that will be with us. Uh, you'll want to hear both of them, and we'll be back in just a minute. Alabama Politics This Week, brought to you by Wind Creek Entertainment. Back in a minute. Hey, uh, if y'all would do us a favor, and uh, go to, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review our little podcast here. Uh, that would be very, very helpful for us. Uh, you know, people might pay us to do this. You, should, uh, you never know.
0: Yeah, but yeah, but let's not stop at Apple. Also, uh, you can do the same thing on Google Play, Amazon, yeah. and some of the more Android-friendly, uh, you know, platforms Uh-oh. as well.
1: I forget that Dave is an Android guy. I am. <laughs> Me, I'm a conformist. And so, you know, go to Apple. But seriously, wherever you go, just do it. Just, just go and, and rate and review, and, and that would be very nice. Unless you're going to leave a bad one. Don't do, don't do that. Josh doesn't don't, like that. Don't leave a bad one. Thank you.
0: Welcome back to politics this week, Josh Moon and David Person. And of course, I'm David Person. You can tell by the resonant voice. Josh's (laughs) voice is a little bit higher pitched.
1: That's right.
0: Yeah. Uh Childhood accident or something I heard.
1: Well, uh, it's I mean, I, I I would say that the only person that's lower than you is James Earl Jones. So I mean <laughs> but go ahead. I mean, you know you and James Earl Jones and Darth Vader, which is you know the same person, but go you know, no knock yourself out. You know, I I'm Luke Skywalker to your Darth Vader. Go ahead, that's fine
0: luke you are my child or whatever that is he says hey welcome back though folks and we are pleased to have with us all kidding aside a very serious topic and we're glad to have with us Kimbrel, Kimbrel brace and Kimbrel is a redistricting expert um he has been following very closely from uh his uh his perch uh, uh, he's not in alabama but he's been following very closely from his, uh, his perch in, um, in Was- see, Washington, D.C., right, Kimbrough? Uh,
3: the suburbs of Washington, D.C., Manassas, Virginia.
0: Okay, Manassas, yeah. You've yep. been following very closely from your perch as president of Election Data Services. What has been transpiring with the Supreme Court in Alabama and uh, I want you to kind of give us your assessment. Welcome to the podcast, by the way. Thank you there. And I want you to give us your assessment of where things stand right now.
3: Well, from the standpoint of Alabama uh, and from the standpoint of the Supreme Court, we do know that today is the 12th of October. I don't know when you'll be broadcasting this, but uh, as we're speaking, it's the 12th of October. And In fact, yesterday the Supreme Court heard arguments on a similar case uh, up in South South Carolina from you guys, and it dealt with the same kind of issue that is coming into play in Alabama. Uh, That is the creation of an additional uh, African American seat Um, in uh, in Alabama. uh, You guys have had a court opinion and a special master's. That has developed uh, plans, and they and the court, lower court, settled on the the plan three uh, that the special master had drawn, which created a second African American seat. Um, South Carolina is in a similar vein of what to do with the Low Country around Charleston, and whether or not that gets turned into an African American seat. Um, it was before, uh, in uh, the politics of way the way that redistricting happens, uh, the Republican legislature ended up turning that into a Republican seat, um, and as a result, you don't have a second African American seat in South Carolina. But so, before the Supreme Court, right now,
0: right. So just for clarification, um, the it's not guaranteed that there's going to be a second African-American seat in Alabama or South Carolina. But in, in, in Alabama, certainly the probability has increased dramatically, correct? Uh,
3: that is correct. That is correct. And there, there is no guarantees. The court, court has said that numerous times. Um, they respect the fact that it is um, partly politics that come into play um, in the redistricting realm. Um, some people would argue it's all politics that come into realm uh, in redistricting. Um, but it's it's certainly the case that uh, a, an African-American seat, that second seat in Alabama, um, that plan three that was adopted by the by the court down there, uh, that second seat is only 48 percent African-American. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a majority. Uh, it is a plurality um and some uh, uh some people would argue that with a plurality and some friendly uh white voters uh in the area getting added in uh you'll get uh an african american um candidate of choice elected be that candidate be an african american or it could be a liberal white for example mm-hmm. Kimball,
0: do you do you is it your assessment that that this was the inevitable outcome all things considered, and i know I know that you approach this from a nonpartisan standpoint uh, so I'm not asking you to side one way or the other, but just from a partisan standpoint, but just objectively looking at the processes, the policies, the data is is this where you had expected things to land?
3: Um, well, I I am a bipartisan, I say, not a nonpartisan, but a bipartisan okay. uh, individual and an organization. My company hires both Republicans and Democrats. Uh, I tend to be known more as the Democratic side of the firm. Um, I was Al Gore's expert witness down in Florida in 2000, for example. Okay. Um, so... Um, but uh you know from the standpoint of of watching and, and being involved in redistricting for the past five decades, um, that's where all this gray hair comes from uh, on that side. Um, uh, you you end up seeing uh, where the politics lie. And certainly from the standpoint of uh, Alabama does, does a, a good example of the circumstances of, of what happens on the Republican side when they draw and what happens on the Democratic side when they draw. Um, if indeed uh, you look at traditional redistricting practices, um, uh, what I always look towards is that when when Democrats tend to draw districts, they tend to create coalition districts. Um, a little African-American here, a little white liberal whites over here, some Hispanics there. You put them together and you end up getting a a Democratic seat um, that in many instances could elect an African-American candidate of choice. On the other side of the coin, when Republicans draw seats, uh, they tend to believe that you need to pack um, uh, the Democrats into the smallest number of seats that they could have. Um, and so that they bleach the suburbs and bleach the rest of the state, and they're able to draw Republican seats. Um, and this is what we've seen now that that bleaching um, deals with not only Democratic votes, but in particular, it deals with African-American votes. Um, and because African-Americans end up voting upwards of 90% for Democrats, uh, there is really no difference between whether or not this is a race-based map drawing technique or a political map drawing technique. It is one and the same. And uh, the Supreme Court in the South Carolina case tried to bifurcate that. You know, is this drawn because of race or is this drawn because of politics? Uh, when you get the, the African American community supporting Democrats as much as they do. Uh, there's no difference between that. Um, and that fact doesn't really come out in these court cases. Um, it is, uh, both of them are are in play. Uh, as a result, the practices of what Dem- uh, Republicans end up doing in packing the Democrats into the smallest number of seats, that impacts the African-American community. Um, and you see that as something that ultimately would violate the Voting Rights Act. Uh, And that is where you've seen success on Democratic challenges to Republican seats and Republican map drawing uh, because of that fact that you've got so much Democratic strength within the African-American community.
1: Uh, In Alabama's case in particular. Um, you know, that there's been a lot of twists and turns here. And I I guess, first of all, we should, we should probably mention that this isn't dead yet. Uh, you know, this, the case for Alabama is, is still very much alive. They have this appeal that's going to directly challenge the Voting Rights Act or Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act and probably blow it up for good if, if, you know, they are successful. Um, and so I guess from that standpoint, uh, and particularly Alabama's, tactic in this, of open defiance of the Supreme Court's order originally, do you believe that they will have success in challenging it, uh, or uh, or, I guess in challenging it the way they did, or uh, do you believe that some other state might have success in challenging the Voting Rights Act Section 2, um, or, or will this thing carry on because of the way Alabama has behaved?
3: Um, well, I think uh, Alabama tends to be somewhat in a unique circumstance because of that behavior. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you you haven't seen that kind of a discussion in the South Carolina uh, case, for example. Um, but um, who knows what would happen in the in the future? Um, there are circumstances around the country where you could end up seeing. Uh, arguments being made on both sides. I was just involved in a court case in in New Mexico um, where um, the Democrats who were in control of the legislature uh, drew the three congressional seats um, and eliminated, in essence, a, um, a Republican seat in the southern part of New Mexico or made it much more competitive, which is what Democratic legislature did. Um, it's not a guarantee for Democrats, um, but it is much more friendly for Democrats. Uh, Republicans were the ones that challenged the the New Mexico case, and indeed, the the lower court last week ended up siding with the Democratic position on the on the circumstance. So you, you know you there uh, you, you've got circumstances that come into play in different ways. Um, but it's certainly something that could end up ultimately challenging the voting rights act depending upon who's bringing those kind of of complaints
1: yeah it, it seems like um given this court you know in particular it, its history of doing whatever the hell it wants to do most of the time, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, ignoring precedent and previous laws and, you know, whatever they had actually said themselves. Right. Um, you know, it, it seems as though the ultimate end of this is, is a, you know, killing off the uh, section two of the voting rights act to me. I mean, I, I can't see, I can't see a way that they don't, uh, given what they did with affirmative action, given what they, you know, their, their stances, given what Roberts has said previously about certain things, I, I I mean, can you see any way where this ultimately isn't the end?
3: Um, uh, I, I think there is a lot of fear on the Democratic side that that would be the case. And the question is, is how to forestall that, um, how to, you know, try to stop it on that side. But I think you're correct in that the, the, the train is moving in that direction uh, as long as we've got a Supreme Court that's 6-3. Um, it shows the consequences of how we vote for president. You know, if uh, if Trump had not been elected in '16, we wouldn't have a six-three Supreme Court. Right. So you know, you look at that, and uh, you know, it is important that everyone votes and votes as much as they can and votes for every office at each election.
0: Wow. Um... So this is not a done deal, as Josh said, um, and South Carolina is teed up in, well, is already in process. Uh, what's your What's your expectation as it relates to the South Carolina case?
3: Um, uh, I've uh, uh, I just printed off this morning the uh, Supreme Court uh, argument. It runs 140 pages. And I haven't had time to read it yet, so <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm just going from from the press reports from uh, yesterday's uh, uh, argument.
0: Okay. I, okay. Yeah. So that that sounds like that's a wait and see. You're yeah. to yeah. read it and yeah. Yeah, I think, we got, I think we got
1: wait and see in in South Carolina, yeah. uh, Louisiana, and Texas. Right. Uh, and Texas are, is coming as well. Oh, and, we yeah. Um, right. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I think, so, uh, you, you know, you see it, it is definitely the South mm-hmm. now being much more on a Republican side. You know, it if you look at the history, uh, you know, we know that the South was Democratic, but it was a conservative Democrat, right. um, mm-hmm. a lot different than the northern liberal Democrats that, you know, are elsewhere in the country. Um, so it was um uh, you know, you you look back at at Nixon's design in in '72 to try to uh, switch the 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 South to the Republican side, and given the conservative nature of whites in the South, it was a logical kind of argument uh, on that side. And Nixon and Kevin Phillips, who just passed away a couple of days ago, uh, that that philosophy uh, is you know, coming into play in, in Trump, in the Supreme Court, in all of that kind of circumstance. So it is very much um, history, um, but it's how things are shifting in the history side of things.
0: You mentioned Kevin Phillips passing a couple of days ago. I didn't realize that. I missed that entirely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Boy, what a, what, a, what a turn his life took. He went from being Nixonian to just
3: the opposite. Yeah, no, that's right, that's right. So it was, uh, it was an interesting circumstance. But he had always some real intriguing arguments and and uh, and books. I still have his books around here someplace.
0: Mm-hmm. I think I've got, I think I've got at least one on my bookshelf. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, Kimball, I know uh, we need to let you go, uh, but I hope you'll let us bring you back. Sure, uh, especially. As we watch what happens in South Carolina, Texas, and 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 in other places, because I have a feeling this um this will this will play out in such a way that uh, it's going to have a real impact on our country, uh, yep. as as Josh has been alluding to. So thanks for joining us today.
3: Indeed, it was my pleasure, and uh, have me back anytime. As I always say, redistricting never stops. So it, you know, keeps on going and makes me grayer and grayer. What can I tell you?
1: Yeah, one of these days it'll just all fall out. See if you live in Alabama, <laughs> yeah, just all fall out. I was going to say, out. Josh. Yeah. yeah, so you got yeah. me
3: beat on that side. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah,
1: it just all goes away. All okay, goes away. Uh, okay. So, All right. <laughs> thank you, Campbell. We appreciate it. All righty.
3: Take care, you guys. Take thank care. You
1: that is <laughs> uh Kimball That was good. Uh it, it's, it's it's always good to get uh you know an outside perspective of yeah. of what goes on in your state. Kind of gives you a little bit better idea, and especially an expert, you know, uh perspective mm-hmm. on things. Somebody who follows it like he does and that's uh, it's great. All right, I tell you what. We're going we're going to slide out. We'll come back in just a minute uh wrap this thing up. It's uh, Alabama politics this week. We're we'll back in a minute.
0: If you're hearing my voice, that means you are a fan of Alabama politics this week. And I want to tell you how grateful I am that you listen and that you're engaged with what Josh and I talk about every week. So I want to ask you to continue listening and uh, continue to support us and definitely reach out with ideas, comments, suggestions. Uh, Your support makes a difference and it means a lot.
1: Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week is Josh Moon, David Person. Uh, Lord have mercy, the things that go on during breaks around here. Uh, But listen, Somehow or another, despite it all, despite all <laughs> the, the foolishness that happens here, we continue to land great, great guests, okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with our, our relationship with the Southern Poverty Law Center and, uh, and the, their uh, great work on, on getting folks in, especially authors. And uh, we are now happy to have with us Fergus Borderwick. And let me tell you, for me, the correct pronunciation of Mr. Borderwick's name is the achievement of the day.
2: Uh, so I, have, uh,
1: I, I am very proud of myself, and, uh, and we are very proud to have Mr. Borderwick on. He is the author of The President versus the Klan, a new book coming out uh, about uh, Ulysses S. Grant's war with the Klan and during the Reconstruction era. Mr. Bordewick, thank you so much for spending some time with us.
2: Yeah, hi there, Josh. Uh, it's very kind of you to have me on. It would be my pleasure. Uh, I, I, I just want to clarify the title of the book. It's actually Klan War. Oh, clan
1: war. I'm sorry, clan war. Not the president versus the Klan. It's Clan war, and it is the president versus the clan. But it's, that's kind of the way it was built to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, clan war, clan war, and it's and it is about Ulysses S. Grant's uh, uh, war with with the clan in the South. Correct.
2: That's exactly right. And we're talking in this book, uh, of course, about the first clan, the original clan, the clan that rose in the uh, late 1860s, and. Uh, terrorized the South, terrorized uh, African-Americans and white Republicans in the South to the early 1870s. And there were three clans, as doubtless, you're, you're, you're perfectly familiar. And then uh, there was a quiescence of the clan for almost 40, 50 years until it, a second clan was founded uh, after 1915, probably the only terrorist organization uh, inspired by a movie, uh, <laughs> Birth of a Nation.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, it, it um so you know, I don't think a lot of people are are very familiar with. And obviously there've been there've been some books written about it, but I, at this point in time, I'm not really sure what anybody's familiar with history-wise anymore. Uh but yeah, you know, in this particular instance, I'm not sure that folks are are necessarily familiar with uh the atrocities that occurred uh during that time. So if you if could could you kind of uh, set that scene a little bit of, of what was taking place and why it was such a focus of, of the U.S. president at the time?
2: Sure. Well, the Klins uh, founding was seemingly pretty innocent in Pulaski, Tennessee, 1866. A bunch of uh, young, young veterans who were bored got together and founded this rather funky organization where they dressed up in costumes and gallivanted around Pulaski. And among the many things that they did to entertain themselves and others was to scare innocently at first, but to scare uh, freed people, recently freed African-Americans. Uh, senior officers, former Confederate officers, quickly saw the potential, set to say, in this organization. And within in less than six months, reorganized it essentially as a as a deliberate terrorist organization. Uh, what were its goals at the beginning? Primarily its goal uh, was to uh, crush the embryonic two-party system uh, in the South, the newly founded Republican Party, which uh, not surprisingly attracted African-Americans. It was the party of Lincoln. Uh, as they were enfranchised and began to enter political public life, uh, so to crush this embryonic Republican Party before it really got started, and second, to terrorize uh, free people and to terrorize them in the in the most savage ways possible. And what I'm going to say here may may shock some some listeners. I realize. But when we think of the first Klan of the 1870s, we should be comparing it uh, not not to a, a civilized political movement, but to ISIS or Al-Qaeda or such organizations that Americans think exist only in far-flung countries that we don't really understand. It was homegrown. It was terroristic uh, from the beginning, as soon as it had been reorganized by these senior officers, including uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest, well-known, of course. Uh, But not only Nathan Bedford Forrest, and it spread very rapidly across the former Confederate states, and its techniques were uh, intimidation, physical threat, physical violence, uh, ranging from floggings, beatings, rape, uh, other forms of torture and mutilation, which require a strong stomach to read about, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Involved um, mutilation, M- most, the vast majority of the victims, the targets were African-Americans, typically uh, men and women who rose into positions of some leadership locally uh, in the former Confederate states, but also white Republicans. Um, and uh, as the number of federal troops In the South, shrank from about a million in 1865 to about 12,000 insignificant. By 1870, the Klan was able to operate for a few years with virtual impunity because it had infused the uh, uh, so-called justice system, that's to say, many public officials, sheriffs, county constables, uh, um, even members of state legislatures, Uh, We're active Klansmen and sometimes it's leaders. And that was the point at which Grant and the federal government finally uh, 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 decided to step in. It wasn't Grant all by himself. It required legislation uh, to enforce the 14th Amendment and once passed the 15th Amendment as well. Fergus uh a couple
0: of things come to mind first, I want to go back to something that you said earlier you You suggested that there was an innocence to what they were doing initially. I've never heard that framed historically that way as it being innocent uh do you mean that it was something that was not um, really contrived as a as a is a bloody kind of terror and that, and that there wasn't a violent aspect to it or, or what is the, what Help me to understand the distinction between yeah, uh, the, the, era of innocence, quote unquote of the clan and then the Nathan Bedford Forrest era of the clan.
2: Well, well, the, the point that has to be emphasized was that was a very short period, just a mm-hmm. few months just a few months. And when I say innocent, uh, I just mean these were young guys who didn't have anything much to do. And it was not initially uh, directed specifically against African-Americans and didn't initially have a political goal. It quickly acquired a political goal. Once former officers, uh, uh, Forrest being just one of them, uh, took control of the Klan. Uh, these were young guys who would uh, pop up at country picnics playing banjos and uh, wearing wearing weird costumes. And they, however, quickly enough, demonstrated that by being frightening enough, they could unnerve local Black people. Uh, and that is what the the officers picked up on and mobilized and turned, thereby turning the organization into a highly political and terroristic organization.
0: Okay. I think I understand the distinction. In other words, it sounds like they were just uh what we might call today thugs or or ne'er do wells who were just kind of out drinking and being rowdy and uh doing doing some and kind of stumbled on this this as a way to uh to wreak some havoc. And uh, and, kind of blow off some steam. But then the powers that be saw these guys and realized hey, we can use them to accomplish a political agenda, a social agenda.
2: Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Okay. uh, Though let me add something because you touched on an interesting point. These original founders and much of the leadership of the Klan, all the way through were not local louts and thugs and ne'er-do-wells. They often were, these. The, the founders were college educated, believe it or not. They were college educated and often the leadership of the Klan, uh, wherever it was in the South, were professionals, doctors, lawyers, local businessmen, uh, landowners. Oh yeah, sure, they mobilized local thugs and louts, but it's a very sad and, and, and disheartening thing that when you read in detail about clan attacks and raiding, uh, so-called community leaders are typically among the raiders. Um, Mm -hmm. and it says much about the class system, the caste system and, and who, who remained in control in those states. think Mm -hmm. also of the, the terrorist clan as the Military arm, or you should say, the paramilitary arm of the then reactionary Democratic Party. It was highly political, and in those days, we have kind of have to flip things. As uh, I I assume, most of your 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 listeners will 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 realize, the Republican Party was the more forward-looking national and progressive party of the time, and the Democratic Party, especially in the Southern states, harkened back to the days of slavery and was interested. In reestablishing complete white supremacy as forcefully and as soon as possible, whatever it took.
0: Right. So, let me ask you a final question, for me at least. Um, uh, th- this book, you know, I think uh, from what I have uh, gathered, really seeks to flesh out and clarify history. And that's very important. But what, what is the relevance, do you think, as it relates to where we are today in 2023, where there does not appear to be a functioning, viable Ku Klux Klan?
2: Well, okay, I'm glad you asked that because it's an important question. Uh, I think one thing that people who read this book will draw from it and bear in mind, this is a book of history. It's not a polemic about present day politics, but you can certainly um, draw a lot of a lot of insight into contemporary politics by looking at American history. Uh, and the, the the borderline or the skin, so to speak, between civilization and barbarism is pretty thin. It's pretty thin, and it was thin in this country. Americans do not want to believe or feel that such a barbar- barbaric movement uh, that practiced unrelieved terrorism for years on end uh, killed at least, bare minimum, of about 2,000 people between 1865 and 76, doubtless many, many more, the vast majority of them African-American, uh, and and terrorized and threatened and beat many, many, many more than that. People don't really want to think Americans could be like this or are like this. And we like to deny that sort of thing as having roots and a home in America. Well, the the truth is it does have a home in America and it is America. Uh, And it took uh, forceful action by the federal government to shut it down. Uh, That didn't prevent the evolution of the, of the whole Jim Crow era. We all know that. But uh, uh, so if we, shift our focus to the present day, uh, the skin between civilization and barbarism is still pretty thin, is because we know, certainly by this point, that there are people uh, in this country who are, who are angry, bitter, uh, uh, do not trust democracy, do not trust American institutions. They do not want to see uh, African-Americans uh, in prominent places in political life. And they do not want to see people who dissent from their very narrow and anti-democratic point of view in public life. And we know that there are uh, threats all over the country or much of the country against simple election workers, poll watchers, public uh, minor public officials, great public officials. Death threats are now a norm in this country, not (laughs) so far. Not many assassination attempts. There have been some, as we know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the level of tolerance for violence today is way harder than it has ever been in my lifetime.
0: Right. Let me let me. uh, I'm sorry, Josh. Just one thing popped into my head real quickly. Do you think that Donald Trump has been uh, in in a sense almost uh, an avatar, if you want to call it that, or. Uh, a prototypical kind of uh, grand dragon, in a sense, <laughs> with a lot of his language and actions. Would you say that?
2: Uh, I, I, uh, I, I think there's something to that. There's something to that. I, I'm a person who doesn't particularly care to apply epithets to people, mm. whether I, I whether I like them or not. You know, to call somebody. an avatar of a a grand dragon, that's a strong thing to say. But you're quite right, and I agree with you, that the kind of language that he's been using, especially lately, not only lately, but particularly lately, certainly is akin to the kind of language that Klan leaders used in the 1870s and, and much later. In fact, indeed, in the 20th century, in the second and third iterations of the Klan. So I do think we should be looking at the 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 zealots of the MAGA movement, in much the way we looked at the enablers and then the members of the Ku Klux Klan. Sad to say, a lot of people won't like that to be said, but but I think it's true. In that regard, um, wh- what
1: tactics were used by Grant and and others at that time to shut this down uh, to to have some success? Uh, against that
2: Klan that in that particular time, Grant's, Grant's uh, um, assault on the Klan was two-pronged. On one hand, he sent troops into the South, into particularly, he made an example of upcountry South Carolina. He suspended habeas corpus with, b- by law. He had, he had legal authority to do this. It wasn't high-handed and it wasn't tyrannical. Uh, he had legislative support from Congress for this. At any rate, he sent the troops he sent into upcountry South Carolina, by the way, were the 7th Cavalry, uh, whose whose commander was George Armstrong Custer. Custer hmm. was not there. Custer hated Reconstruction. He was a, he was a right-wing Democrat. However, the troops that led the 7th Cavalry in, in South Carolina were brilliantly led, brilliantly. I just don't have time here to. Digress into uh, who the who the, the key officer was, Major Lewis Merrill, uh, but he was extremely effective. He was both a lawyer and a veteran soldier, and and he infiltrated the Klan with with um, uh, informers. He broke it open. He uh, he arrested just in a couple of counties about a thousand members of the Klan. He, he shattered the Klan. They came pouring into his headquarters to surrender. They were so intimidated by having to actually face soldiers as opposed to unarmed and helpless men, women, and children, Okay, which says a lot about the Klan. It was a deeply cowardly organization. Yeah, Mm. they they were vicious and violent attacking unarmed men and women alone in their cabins. Uh, Not so much when they had to face the cavalry. Anyway, that's one side of uh, uh, grants uh, war against the Klan. The other side is is uh, judicial and legal. Uh, the Justice Department was founded right at this time in part uh, to to um, take charge of prosecution of the Klan. And the Attorney General at that time, a, a, a Georgian Republican named Amos Ackerman, was a great Attorney General. He was only in for a year, but he personally spearheaded the legal onslaught against the Klan. Uh, he, he turbocharged federal prosecutors and uh, troops were used and federal marsh- marshals were used to protect uh, those who are willing to testify in court against the Klan, which previously they were, people were afraid to do. Mm-hmm. So they got, they, they, he got an abundance of testimony, an abundance of convic- convictions and the clan collapsed under this this onslaught there's much more to say here but time is, our time is not 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 uh eternal
1: <laughs> no no you're you're fine it, it's it, it is it's such an interesting uh, to me it's such an interesting time and uh and it, and it transcends into today where you know we have a lot of the same uh, racial issues. We have a lot of the same uh, threats of violence. We have a lot of the same stuff. I know we we don't necessarily have the same level of atrocities occurring on, on a daily basis. I mean, I, let's be clear about that. I mean, we don't. Uh, I mean, for the most part, uh, for the most part, there 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 hit. You know, there are certainly some examples we could, I think we could all point to. Uh, but for you know, on the the just continued scale of of violence that was taking place during that time, we don't have that. But it's still. Uh, it, it never hurts to look back at the history of this and and to kind of compare the things. Uh, I know you have you have an event at the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, can you tell us about about that event and how folks can engage with you
2: there? Uh, yes. Well, I'll be speaking at the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, uh, in uh, less than a week. Uh, I, I, I urge people to go online uh, to the SPLC uh, website for details. Um. I'm 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 greatly looking forward to it. Uh, I'll be speaking as as, as we as, as we know. I'll be speaking about the book. I'll be very happy to take questions, uh, and uh, I, I think I, I'll be able to enlarge on some of the things that uh, we've been talking about here.
1: Uh, well, listen, uh, that's Fergus Bordewich. Uh, y'all make sure you pronounce his name correctly, uh, because, uh, this book is, is well worth getting his name accurate, uh, on. And, uh, and look, I, you know, I, for one, I appreciate you, you putting in this work, uh, and, and sharing it with everybody so we can we can get this, this accurate, uh, uh history of, the the hate groups and the hate that, that is out there and, and its origins and how we continue to fight these same battles over and over again. Um, and then also for you spending some time here and some time at the Southern Poverty Law Center, we really do appreciate your time, Mr. Borderwick.
2: Well, I sure do appreciate your questions. And I, I, I appreciate both of you having me on. And uh, uh, perhaps sometime in the future, we'll have a chance to talk again. I've enjoyed it. Absolutely, thank you, sir. We'll yeah. we'll we'll, uh, we'll put up a link uh, to to
1: where folks can buy the book uh, with this when we post up the podcast, and uh, we really do appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Sure, thank you, Josh. Thank you. Uh, I, is, uh Fergus Borderwick. Uh he is uh the author of uh, Clan War. You can uh, you can pick that up. Uh I'm I'm assuming you can get it pretty much where any where, where books are sold and uh, and we can uh and, uh and also go to Southern yeah. Poverty Law Center's website as well and, and and sign up for this uh this event and go hear some more. I mean, as you heard, it's the the man knows his history. All right. <laughs> Clearly. Cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so it's uh, it's gonna be it's, it's it's gonna be a fantastic book, and, and it'll be a fantastic event, like the, most of those events are that they put on. Those, those folks they know what they're doing there.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, all right, let's let's slide out. We'll come back in just a minute. Alabama politics this week. We're back in a minute. Alabama politics this week. Josh Moon, David Person, and now there's one of them. To thank uh, uh, our guest, Fergus Bordewick, uh author of "Clan War." Y'all go check that out. And also Kimball Brace, who is our redistricting expert. Uh, there's always, you know, it was it was good conversations with both of those guys. I mean, oh, really yeah. appreciate them awesome. uh, coming on. And uh, and listen, hopefully. You, know, you you learned a little something today. Um, mm-hmm. um, we don't normally have two guests, and so the final segment is going to be uh, is going to be a little shorter. We want to again thank uh, Wind Creek Entertainment for sponsoring this yeah. bad boy, and um, y'all yeah. you know, go uh, if you you know looking for a nice uh, place to go, even to just dinner, or you want to send your wife to the spa. Give them a look. They're in Wetumpka, they're in Montgomery, they're in Atmore, um, and uh, the the two places in. Uh, Atmore and, uh, Watumpka are, they're, they're big hotels. They are really, really nice. I've uh, been to both that's, of
0: them. That's, that's where I want to go. I want to, there's one that I, and I can never remember where I see it, what highway I'm on, but there's one that just looks like, uh, a big silver, almost spaceship or something out <laughs> right, in the yeah. field.
1: Yeah, Which was, one is uh, that? That's so that's probably the one as you're heading down 65 in Atmore, uh, okay. which you're probably looking. At. Now the, the one in Wetumpka is is basically the the sister to that, and they look they look the same almost. Okay. Uh, but it's 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 right in Wetumpka. It's owned 231 in Wetumpka, and so uh, you you would be in town, so it wouldn't. I don't think you'd see it that way. But the one and the one in Montgomery is a little bit smaller. Uh it's still very nice. It's got a BB Kings in it and uh it's a it's a nice place. Been there a couple of times. Matter of fact, uh, my wife, uh, when she worked for the uh Cancer Association, uh she held a lot of her events out there and they were always very accommodating and it was a really nice place. Uh well I, and, well,
0: I gotta I gotta I gotta get a trip on my agenda to either at because that's the yeah. one I think I see all the time. Or the yeah. next time I'm in Montgomery I need to I need to look into the stand there.
1: Yeah, you know, not just stay at the one in with It's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's right outside Montgomery, you know. It's nice, and it's really, mm. really nice, man. It is. Okay. It's, a, it's a nice place. Got a, got a great. They got some great restaurants in there, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, you'll, you'll enjoy it. You, know, you will. You really will. I've been, to, I've been to all of them, and uh, like them all. So, uh, awesome. they are, they are first class. They do it, they do it the right way. Um, awesome. All right, let's. Uh, we're gonna this is gonna be short and quick here because we've already gone way over, and as I've been told, our shows are way too long because apparently nobody knows how to stop them once they start them um so really makes me worry about y'all uh, so. Uh, we're going to get right into the uh, into the right wing nut portion of this thing, and yeah. our right wing nuts are the uh, House Republicans, which have somehow or another uh, voted themselves leaderless uh, and and gotten rid of their speaker because they're overrun with fruitcakes. Um, and uh, I mean, seriously I mean that's who it is they, they were upset over people compromising with Democrats which is I don't know if y'all know this or not that's how government works yeah. uh, I know y'all are unaccustomed to compromising because you live in a one party state where you can just do whatever the hell you want to do and mm. think people are just going to accept it uh, but in in throughout most of government and the way that we typically get our best operating governments you know all those times where the budget got balanced and we were ha- having fun times, fun economic times, those mm-hmm. happened because there was a lot of compromise that was that was going on, uh, whether it be with President Obama and the Republican-controlled House or Senate, or whether it be President Clinton and the Republican-controlled House or Senate. Those were a lot of compromises that took place in there uh, that, that mattered a lot to the American people because you don't get the extremes from either side involved. And so, therefore, you, you end up with uh, this middle ground where most, uh, 90% of Americans live. All right, ninety percent of Americans are middle ground people, and yeah, that's where you live, but we've got these morons that uh have have left themselves uh rudderless, I guess, although I don't know how much of a leader Kevin McCarthy actually was, but yeah, not much you know, not much yeah and they can't not they much. can't seem to pick one, so yeah. it's not always nice
0: yeah which 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 puts us in a nice position now that we're uh we're on the precipice of watching uh what could, god forbid but what could be the beginning of world war 3 yep. or or at the very least a major conflagration in the middle east and uh and we have no speaker of the house we have no uh leadership you know a major cog of uh congressional leadership uh, uh unable to do what it it needs to do to help this country take the position it needs to take so that's uh that's yeah. that's darn good work, uh, House Republicans. <laughs> really great job. <laughs> Just fantastic
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah they're they're a special bunch there's no doubt um, it's um you know i mean it, it is um, it's not hard to believe though that the the party that has uh basically become you know hostages or you know cult members led by a former talk show or game show host, uh, you know, is, uh, unable to govern properly. I mean, it's, it's really not, uh, probably, probably the least surprising development that's happened. Um, but well, you know, good it's good point. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and I hope, uh, I hope we can, uh, uh, settle things in the, in the middle East a little bit. Um, and, and a maybe a horrible
0: situation, man. Yeah. I, just, I mean, it, I know we gotta go, so I won't. I, I'll just leave it at that. It's just a horrible situation. Well, listen, I, we this got a world couple
1: world. minutes. We could probably solve what's happening over there. Uh, we, got, <laughs> we got a couple minutes. We
0: could. They haven't been able to solve that mess since in in the sixty years that I've been on this earth, man. Yeah.
1: Well, well I, I think it goes back well, about six hundred years, right? And so yeah, well, um, yeah.
0: yeah. If you yeah, if you want to uh, really go back in the ancient yeah. times, that's right. But it just when I think about it, I just think you know, why do we well? I almost hate th- uh, you know I don't want to go there. I'm just going to uh. say you know the, it's it's pretty obvious that I'll just say this. It's pretty obvious that war is not the answer. No, war no. is not the answer. Now I know I mean war may seem like it's the answer, yeah. but it's a short-term solution to a long-term problem. I'm just going to yeah. leave it at that.
1: Well, listen, a very smart man once said, "War, what is it good for?" Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. nothing. Yeah. No. That's right. All right. Let's slide out of here. Uh, until next week, y'all be safe out there. Peace.
0: And I really mean peace.